Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Have you ever felt like you were disqualified from something? Have you ever been disqualified from something? I, I, I was watching, uh, I was trying to find some really cool videos of, of people being disqualified, and there's way too many out there, um, of people getting disqualified from games. And uh, I, I can think of one time <clears throat> uh, where I almost got disqualified. I was uh, coaching a soccer team. Maybe I've told this story before, I can't remember, but um, I was coaching my daughter's soccer team, and we were doing well. We were, we were playing well against this other team, but this other team kept just pushing and shoving and, I mean, arms and all these kinds of things, just, uh, and the ref wasn't calling anything. And the parents were getting really uptight behind me. And I said, parents, you got to mellow out. You got to just relax. Well, you know, I got this. And, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, this one player came in from the other team and, and just shoved one of my uh, players, and uh, the ref did not call it. And it ticked me off, and I lost it. I went out of control. I started screaming and yelling. And ref, you don't even know what you're doing. You need to get some glasses. What do you think you're doing? And he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a card, yellow card, and he says, knock it off, coach. You need to back up. And what was really funny is a a guy, the coach on the other team, was from my church that I was the pastor of. And he was laughing hysterically. He was laughing and uh, I almost got disqualified. There was another time where we were playing indoor soccer, and my daughter was the, um, was the goalie, and um, <clears throat> one of the players from the other team fell into my daughter, and it looked like what she was doing was kicking my daughter, and I leapt over the edge of the, 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 the indoor wall that was there, and I ran onto the, um, and I, got, I was disqualified there, and I had to leave the building, because you're not allowed to do that. Needless to say, I'm a pretty competitive dude, and uh, <clears throat> being disqualified is no fun. Getting to that point where you do something that no longer are you allowed to play in the game. If you watch the b- baseball games and the football games, and, and all of a sudden, they're just like, you're out. You're out of here. Get out of the, you know, and, and you have to be escorted and watched as you walk out of the, the stadium. Where, wherever they're going, they have to go and they're escorted to a place where you're no longer welcome in the game because you've messed up so much. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you just made so many mistakes there's just no coming back? Have you ever made a, a mistake that you thought, man, I'm going to lose my job? I'm going to lose my job. I, I just lost an account for my company, and I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to get fired. Or you offended someone so bad that you thought the relationship was over. Or maybe you, you sinned, and you, sin, you know you, you sinned against God. Maybe God's just saying, enough is enough. I think that's the way Peter felt in the story that was portrayed uniquely. Disqualification means that you've crossed some kind of line that uh, disqualifies you, that puts you out from playing the game, being in, on the field. It, it, it means that you can't uh, relate to the team anymore. You can't connect. And, and, and here's, here's the thing. All of us have made mistakes that would disqualify us. All of us. 
If, if, if you say you haven't, then uh, we have another conversation to have. But all of us have sinned. The Bible says all have sinned. All have made mistakes. All have made disqualifying separation from God and me. I, I've made mistakes make mistakes that quite often could separate me from God. And that's a disqualifying moment. And here's the beautiful thing. Is we need to ask the question, how do we come back from those disqualifying moments? How do we get back to where we belong? We're in a series called You Belong. And that series is all about, last week we talked about that you're uniquely designed to fit into the body of, of Christ. And you belong because of your design. And today I want to talk about the fact that no matter what mistake you've made, no matter how far down the road you've come, if you're on site or online, it does not matter. Wherever you are in your walk with God, in, no matter how much you think you've disappointed God, which if you've sinned, you have, there's a way back. And there's a way back to healing. There's a way back to restoration. There's a way back to experience the important feeling of belonging in the body of Christ. There is no hopeless situation. There's no hopeless circumstance. And if we look at Peter's life and we look at Peter's circumstance, Peter is, was an apostle or a disciple of Jesus while he was on this planet and he was an apostle afterwards, which means he went around establishing, preaching the gospel and establishing churches. And here's the story of Peter. We pick it up in Matthew chapter 26. Verse 31, it says, Then Jesus told them, he, so he's meeting with his disciples. This is, the, this is the night of the Last Supper. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. So Jesus makes this prediction that every disciple is going to fall away. Peter replied in verse 33, even if all fall away on account of you, I will never, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. All the other disciples said the same. And you would expect that after following Jesus for three and a half years, they've, they've kind of gotten close to him and they've seen his commitment to, to people and, and the craziness that he's gone through and done and miracles and all these kinds of things. And, and he's always called for their commitment, always called for a following. And they would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's, let's be real. If we're to the point where we say, I will never, that's a bad place to be. There's pride involved there. Paul, uh, Peter was saying, I, I'm better than these guys. Maybe they will fall away, but I never will. Have you ever said, uh, maybe you're a parent and you've seen a child in a restaurant at a different table and they're going crazy and being screaming and yelling. Have you ever said, my child will never do that. When my child, when I have kids, they will never do that. And then later on, you're in a restaurant and your child's in the High chair, screaming, yelling, throwing knives and forks and everything everywhere. Well, maybe not knives. You're probably a better parent than me. And then you feel like a failure. Your child's screaming, yelling in the, in the aisle, in the, in the market, in the store. And, and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. And you just want to kind of wrap them up with duct tape and take them, on, take, take them out of the store. 
You feel humiliated. You feel like a failure. Oh, I'm, I'm that parent that I said I would never be. Or they're the child that I said I would never have. <laughs> Pride can bring a, a huge fall uh, once we get to that point where we realize that we aren't better than everybody else. That we're not that, that prima donna, if you will, or that, that ex- exception that is better than everybody else. When we get to that point of pride, it's, it's the beginning of the downfall. It really is. If you think you're not vulnerable to sin or temptation, it's that point that the enemy, the devil, says, oh, perfect. Now that they let their, their guard down, now we can go after them. Never say never. Let me pick this story up in Matthew 26. And um, <clears throat> we find now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. And a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. This time he's promising, I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you were one of them. Your accent gives you away. I don't know what kind of accent he had. He had a Galilean accent. It was probably, I don't know, y'all, something like that. I don't know. It's just imagination. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man immediately. A, roast, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Have you had a rooster crow moment? Have you had that moment where you're just like, oh man, I messed up. God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I messed up. I'm so sorry. And you feel disqualified. You feel like, oh, I messed up. I knew I messed up. I I was facing that temptation. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And all of a sudden, do it. It's like, oh. You just know that you shouldn't have done what you did, but you did it anyway. And now... You feel disqualified. Now you feel like you're on the outside. Now you have to walk in humiliation off the field. And everybody's watching. The opponent's cheering. Everybody's just, you know, oh man, he messed up. That's an awful feeling. Where's your stumbling block? Where's your pride in the moment? Because remember, Peter said, I never will. I'll die with you. Maybe all those other guys that are weak and all of a sudden he finds himself in their boat. In that boat that he put him, them in, he's now in their boat. So later on, Peter and the other disciples, Jesus is resurrected and he's already met with the disciples, crazy enough. And uh, <clears throat> Peter and the other disciples, they, Jesus left and so he's, they're hanging out together, and, they, and Peter says, hey, let's go fishing. Isn't it funny? Sometimes when we make mistakes like this, we go back to the old way instead of to the new way. So Peter says, let's go fishing. So they all get in the boat, and they go out, and they start fishing. And apparently it was at nighttime when they decided to do that because they didn't catch anything all night long. 
And when the sun starts coming up, they notice this guy on the beach, and this guy on the beach says, hey, throw your nets to the other side, and you'll catch some fish. So they do that, and the net just fills up. One, one gospel says that 153 fish fall into this net, and uh, <clears throat> they're like, whoa, that's crazy. That was a miracle. That's uh, pretty cool. And then um, John, the, the one who loved Jesus, or called John the Beloved, says to Peter, hey, Peter, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. Peter sees Jesus, and he goes, oh, my goodness, the fish. The, and, and, and all of a sudden, he's remembering that that's how everything started. Early on, when Jesus was calling his disciples to himself, he, he did this very same thing with Peter. And so what does Peter do? He does what Peter does. He jumps out of the boat. Peter's always jumping out of the boat. When he was called, Peter jumps out of the boat and runs in the water and gets there to Jesus first. When he, when he saw Jesus walking on water, Peter said, let me do that. And he jumps out of the boat again, walks on water, sinks, and then gets carried back to the boat. And now he jumps out of the boat again. And he meets Jesus on the beach where Jesus has started a fire. He's got some fish cooking on the fire. He says, hey, Peter, get me some more fish. It looks like we might need some more. And so Peter goes and gets the fish, which reminds Peter, I was told I'm not going to be a fisherman of fish anymore. I'm going to be a fisher of men. Isn't it amazing that even when Peter denies Christ three times, Jesus comes back to remind Peter that there's something that he's to do that is significant. When we make mistakes, we feel like, nope, I'll never be a fisher of men in Peter's context. Nope, I'll never do that. No, I'll never get back to that place. No, I'll, I'm a failure. And I'm gonna live with that badge on for the rest of my life. And here, Jesus starts the restoration process. Peter, go get some fish. Peter does. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Some really interesting thoughts that are in this passage that, that, that are really interesting is one, uh, when, when Jesus addresses Simon or Peter, he calls him Simon, son of John. He doesn't call him Peter. He goes back to his old name, which kind of puts P Peter in the place of, oh, now I'm not a disciple. I'm not Peter anymore. I'm not the rock. I'm Simon, son of John. One of the things that we have to, to be willing to confront is our own sinfulness, our own humanity, our own, um, and when, when we make a mistake, we have to get to that point where we're willing to understand that we're at fault. And so Peter was probably um, having to address himself no longer as Peter, but Simon, son of John, his, his previous name. Do you love me more than these? Remember when Peter said, uh, I, you know, maybe they will deny you, but I won't. I'll never run, and maybe they will, but I will never do that. Peter's pride. So he's saying, do you love me more than these disciples? Really? 
And now Peter is like, um, they all ran. Everybody ran. So everybody's guilty of running. But at the end of the day, only one person denied Christ three times. And that was Peter. We have to get to this broken part. We have to get to where we're broken, where we're, we're, we're torn apart. It's okay. Part of the process of coming back to restoration is realizing that we need help getting there. That we can't do it on our own. That we're not strong enough. We're not powerful enough. We're not that person that says, I got this. I can do anything. I can do all things. No, we can do nothing apart from Jesus Christ. And so he says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? In other words, are you still arrogant? Listen to Peter's answer. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. He didn't say you know that I love you more than these. He said, you know that I love you. Kept it focused on Jesus. That's where it should have been in the first place, right? And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Feed these young sheep, these new believers. He begins the restoration process by saying, Peter, you still have a purpose. You still have a plan. And I put this plan together that you would be the guy that leads people to Jesus, that you would be that guy that helps new believers start to grow. It says, feed my lambs. And Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep or tend my sheep. Take care of them. It's really interesting. There's an author out there that says this. Off-the-cuff replies and well-meaning superficial responses to the risen Lord will not work in the call of Jesus to the life of discipleship. In other words, we cannot just say, Jesus, come on, stop asking questions. You know I love you. We can't push those questions off. When Jesus asks a question, it's, important we can't do off the cuff things you know i love you come on let's start let's talk about something else it was kind of interesting the way this character was portrayed in the video because he kind of took it lightly at first but then all of a sudden it became serious especially the third time the third time he said to him simon son of john do you love me peter was hurt Peter, the, the, the word hurt actually means in the Greek distressed. He was stressed out because Jesus was pushing. He was pressing. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. He got theological on him. He said, you know all things. You are omniscient. You know everything. You have the ability to read minds. You know what's going on here. Well, Jesus, what are you doing? You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. He gave him that responsibility. And the third time, which represents the three denials and now the three affirmations, Jesus, you know I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. You are the rock. You are that person. If you've made a mistake, and if anybody in this room has made such a mistake that you feel disqualified, you can be restored. That's all we're learning here. That's all. You belong in the body of Christ. Not, yeah, did we do something that was worth disqualification? Possibly. 
But at the end of the day, it's not about that. It's about God's grace. It's about his love. It's about his compassion for us that reaches out and says, I forgive you. You belong in the body of Christ. Feed my sheep. Fulfill your purpose. Complete your mission. Do whatever whatever it takes. Jesus is calling today and saying, listen, I know you made a mistake. I love you. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times he, he says it to Peter, and maybe he would say that to you and me today. Do you love me? Notice he's not saying, are you sorry for your sin? Are you sorry you messed up? You know, you should be. As unfortunately, many preachers like myself have, have in the past maybe said, yeah, you need to focus on your guilt. You need to focus on your shame. You need to focus on this. You need to focus on that. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, do you love me? He already wept bitterly. I don't know about you, but when I make a mistake, I'm like, oh, man, God, I'm so sorry. It's almost immediate. I feel bad. I feel terrible. God, please forgive me of my sin. That's already happened in Peter's life. It's no longer a need to focus on that. It's time to focus on moving on. It's time to focus on knowing that God desires to restore what's been broken and to put back together our lives and allow us to move forward in our mission. You see, repentance doesn't come with, without responsibility. When we repent and when we're restored, it comes back to, all right now, let's move on. Let's move on and do what I've called you to do. Let's move on and be what I've called you to be. And then Jesus does something amazing. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go listen jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which peter would glorify god in other words jesus was saying this peter i believe you i believe you love me and now i believe you will die for me Now I believe that you will give your life for me. What you said earlier was pride. What you're saying now is submission and followership and willingness to go where I've called you to go and do what I've called you to do. What you said before when you said, oh, maybe everybody else will fall away, but I won't. I'll never do that. I will die with you. I will never disown you. Is That was pride. Now it's humility and submission and followership and where we're willing to give our lives completely to jesus and that's what jesus is asking for today and he says one last final little statement then he said follow me follow me go after follow after jesus and follow after me do everything that you know to do to walk in the path that i've set before you and when you do you will show your love to me Love requires a, a response, an action. We can't, uh, if I tell my wife, hey, it, it, you know, I love you. I told you I loved you uh, when we got married. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. Doesn't work. She wants to know I love her every day. 
She wants to know that I love her when I wake up and I, I say, hello, good morning, I love you. We have this little thing. We have all these pillows on the, on the bed and, and I, I used to just take my side of the pillows off and, you know, put them somewhere and then her side of the pillows would be on there and, and after a while she said, you know, it kind of feels like you don't love me. I'm like, what? Nothing's changed. You don't take my side of the pillows off. You don't serve me by getting the bed all ready for both of us. You just get it ready for you. Guess what I do now? All pillows come off that bed. And that bed is ready for both of us. And I love her. I do that as often as necessary to let her know I love her. Love doesn't come without action. Love comes with that, that, that expression. And when, he, when Jesus says, follow me, he's saying, come after me with that love that you've expressed. It's time to follow me and fulfill your plan and purpose that I've set before you. So God's calling us today too. There may be people in this room or online that, that you have gone through life and you've lived kind of this disqualification Role And you kind of, maybe it's some self-pity, maybe it's frustration, maybe you know you've made mistakes that are disqualifying and, and you, you know that um, God is frustrated with you. Yes, he does not like our sin, he gets frustrated when we commit sin, but he is always willing to res- restore us to that place. You may feel, I'm here because I want to get over this stuff. The only way to get over it is to accept his love and to acknowledge your love of Jesus. Acknowledge the fact that you love him, that you care about him, that you want to follow him, and that you're willing to do whatever it takes now, now that you're broken, now that you're saying, hey, I, I'm going to make mistakes, but Jesus, I need you. I need your strength. I need your power in my life. I need you to forgive me of my sin. When you do that, And he says, "Ah, come on in. You belong. No matter what you've done. Peter, the apostle Peter denied Christ three times. Why? Because he was afraid of a servant girl. And ending up in a crucifixion process. Later on, Peter follows through with his love of Jesus and dies for him. What we know about Peter historically is that he was hung upside down because he didn't want, he didn't consider himself worthy to die on a cross like Jesus did. So he died upside down on a cross and gave his life for Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Do, Do you love Jesus? Do you love him? That may offend you to ask that three times, just like Peter was hurt. But Jesus is asking you today, do you love him? Because he wants nothing more than to restore you to full health, to full, uh, um, your sense of purpose, your sense of meaning, your sense of value. No longer do you need to feel this disqualification. You belong in the family of God. You belong in the game. He is here to restore your heart and to bring you back to that original design that he had planned for you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much 
for the story of, of Peter. I can imagine that he was just that wild guy that was always pushing the envelope and always doing crazy things and, and maybe like this guy in the video, always talking. But Lord, you loved him so much that you wanted to restore him even after he denied you, even after he, he, he crushed your heart with his sin. Lord, you came back to him and told him that you love him by giving him grace, by extending him that forgiveness. Lord, there are those of us in this room that need your forgiveness, that need you to restore us from feeling that disqualification, from feeling that separation from the team, from feeling that separation of being unable to play in the game. Lord, you are no longer accepting that as an excuse of ours but are telling us, Lord, that you love us so much that you're willing to extend that grace. And you're asking us, do we love you? Are we willing to put ourselves out there and love you back and to give you our love and to follow you with our whole hearts? In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something that I don't often ask um, on a weekend, but I feel the Lord just saying, I want you to respond. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to just follow the prodding and the prompting of the Holy Spirit as He's working in you to restore you, to, to, to bring you to that health point. I'm going to ask you to come up front, and I'm going to pray with you. And, and believe me, if, if I were sitting in your seat, I would be responding to this message. So I don't, I don't uh, for, for, for personal reasons, for me, just wanting to re be restored by the Lord always. Just follow the Lord, and there's no shame if you stay in your seat. But it, please, respond to the Lord if you need to be restored today. You want to get rid of that sense of disqualification. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to invite you to come, and then we'll pray again, and then we're going to worship. Well, Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for every person in this room, Lord, that you would speak to us. Many are, are in good and healthy and whole relationships with you. You've already rest restored them. They're in a great place. Lord, some of us are, are needing to be restored in our hearts and be restored in our lives for, <clears throat> for a sense of that disqualification. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to their hearts right now. And if you're here today and you're ready to say, Jesus, I love you. I love you with my whole heart. I love you. I love you. I love you. And you want to be restored by him. And you want to be touched by him. And you need that today. Will you just walk forward and come and be at this altar? There's no shame here. And just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and to speak to your life. And God is going to do something unique and powerful right now. He's going to just do something unique and powerful. He loves you so much. And his heart breaks that you've held back because you feel disqualified. His heart breaks because you, you felt that you, there's, you're just not enough for the job that's to be done. You're just not enough for what God wants to do in your heart and your life. And right now he wants to set you free from that and know that you are whole and complete. You're forgiven completely and you belong to the body of Christ. If that's you today, God wants to restore 
And he would say, feed my sheep. Do what I've called you to do. Be what I've called you to be because you are forgiven. You are restored. You are whole. You are uh, uh, complete as God has originally designed you to be. Father God, I pray for this group of people that your name would be glorified in their lives, that you would shine brightly in their hearts as you completely restore them. Thank you, God, for the example that you gave of restoring Peter after he denied you three times. Lord, I pray that you would just restore each heart and each mind. And maybe there's one or two or three or four or ten in in the chairs or maybe at home online. Lord, I pray that you restore the heart of those that feel have felt disqualified. And God, you'd bring us back into the game that we would be able to play with a whole heart and a whole mind and a whole spirit with excitement and joy, no longer feeling that sense of disqualification. God, restore, lift up these folks right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I thank you and I praise you. And as we move forward, give us the strength by the power of your Holy Spirit to resist the temptation to fall and to move forward in our faith and to move forward in our walks with you. And God, I believe that you are doing something powerful and unique today as we tell you, as many times as is necessary, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. And we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for belonging and that we belong to you. We belong to the family of God and we belong to the purpose that you've designed us for. We give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. One last thing. If you're here today and you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want to give you that opportunity. I will never end a service without this one one request, and that is that you would consider Jesus as your Savior. And the way we do that is simply by confessing our sin. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. And I accept that forgiveness based on the work of the cross. And Jesus, I believe that you were raised from the dead because now I have eternal life with you and an eternal relationship with you. And I look forward to heaven and my hope. And God, I promise and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.